Hey, this is Jose Gallison on No Way Jose uh, on the Liberty Movement YouTube channel. Today I'm with Mark Clare. Uh, it's been a long time in the works. Uh, he was actually supposed to be my Indeed. first guest. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's supposed to be my first guest, and uh, which when I had nothing, I hadn't even done anything yet. So let that be a let be a lesson to any of you guys who want to start some shit. That uh, I mean, there are people out there. I don't think I've been told no by anyone I've asked for interviews yet, and I've had some fairly big names. Persistence is key in podcasting. That is true. Uh, that's the one lesson I can definitely take from having done it for seven years. Like sometimes you have to ask a guest 25 times to get them on the show. Eventually they, yeah, it'll work probably maybe not always <laughs> so far. I haven't had that issue. I mean, really, I mean, it's just more been scheduling and stuff. Cause yeah. some people are pretty booked up the big uh, dogs, busy, busy folks like me and you, you know, it's hard to make yeah. things work, especially with the time zones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm busy. I have like multiple things going on in my life. So yeah, I have to, I only can, I only can do it in certain times. So, uh, yeah. Um, with that, um, I think I want to go into one thing I want to touch on. Oh, yeah. I didn't even talk about it. We're going to be talking about comics today because I know you. everybody thinks Mark Claire. I think Lines of Liberty. Um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that he's got his second print comics podcast as well. That's he's what said. I want to change. I want them to think, yeah. oh, the comic podcast guy. <laughs> Maybe he does some libertarian stuff. I have no idea. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, script. yeah, that's kind of the vein of what we're going for in the Liberty Movement and the, and the YouTube channel. Uh, it's like we're trying to look for more like cultural, like kind of like ancillary, like liberty ish, because that's kind of the stuff we're trying to push. So this is kind of as soon as I saw you had this, it's like, holy shit, I got to get Mark. So and then you're just like, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be this battle. And you're like, yeah, OK, whatever. <laughs> the only battle is against the scheduling monster. But that's that's the case with everything I try to do in life. Yeah, no, I get it. We finally conquered it. So we're good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, being unprofessional here. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? I'm assuming everybody knows you, but I'm, you know, just I'm operating. Oh, off, off you'd that. be surprised how many people don't know me, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's me and Brad Pitt in terms of uh, recognizability factor. Uh, but yeah, my name is Mark Claire. I started the Lions of Liberty podcast uh, a little bit over seven years ago, just before this Tom Woods character started his own podcast. <laughs> so I guess I inspired him or something. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, my, my basically um, the short version is, you know, I was a big uh, Ron Paul person. Uh, even before that, I was I was actually a Ron Paul person before they were Ron Paul people. Like I, I was I got introduced to Ron Paul by uh, my friend Howie. Uh, back in college, which is way before, not to age myself too much, but way before his 2008 run when he blew up and kind of ignited the modern liberty movement. So, of course, that that only inspired me even more to see how he got uh, so fired up and was able to inspire so many people, even while he's being made fun of. Uh, people are talking down to him and he just stayed stayed stoic and just spoke his truth the whole time. And I found that so inspiring that I thought, you know, and before that, for me, politics was kind of like a personal hobby. Like I didn't talk about it with people i just kind of had these these crazy libertarian thoughts to myself but then i said to myself you know if this guy can go on a national stage and be mocked be made fun of and still stay the course and still say the truth and never back down like maybe i can do that too so i, I decided i wanted to kind of speak out more become vocal i became one of those ron paul people who was always sharing videos uh this is how long ago this was i was sharing R ron paul videos vociferously on my myspace page um so that that's uh yeah just to date myself a tad bit there <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, eventually about four or five years, uh, kind of a, a bunch of my friends came together. We all knew each other from Penn state. Uh, we kind of started this email chain talking about at first it was the Ron Paul campaign, but it kind of evolved into talking about, uh, anarcho-capitalism, the basic concepts of individual liberty and became sort of like a debate club. And eventually four of us decided to start a website. That was the lions of Liberty website, uh, where we just kind of blogged and, and posted articles and, and commented on things. And then from that, I one day just decided to start the podcast because believe it or not, at one point, 
there weren't that many libertarian podcasts out there and I couldn't find enough to listen to. I know this is a shocking thing to hear from any people out there, but uh, it was the case. Uh, so I decided to start my own. And uh, like I said, Tom Woods caught wind of this and just started one right afterwards. But uh, I like to think to Tom Woods and I are, co are co-founders of the modern libertarian podcast movement. But, you know, yeah. I just made that up. So maybe we'll start. We'll make that a thing. Tom's a habitual one-upper, I guess. Yes. And while he was doing it, he was writing like six books all at the same time. So. Right, and seven courses, and you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, so you a lot of blog, all yeah. that. So you gave us a quick rundown, and it was kind of more the Liberty You. I kind of want to know a little bit about the comics you, because like for example, oh, I... me, like I kind of more got into comics more as an adult. I kind of liked it a little bit as like a kid. Then mm -hmm. I kind of like hit my jock phase, and I kind of just like I don't. Know, I was almost embarrassed by it, and I became yeah. an adult and stopped fucking caring what people think. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of interested. I know you had a lull in your comic, comic, uh, and a repertoire or whatever. I had a, I had a, I'm, I'm just a, a man of extremes. Like I, I went from being such a huge comic nerd. I say around seventh or eighth grade, a good friend of mine, Eric, who is a, a, one of our great patrons on the second print comics podcast. Uh, he, uh, I was friends with him and we were really into pro wrestling together. So I would go to, over to his house and uh, like watch, watch pro wrestling. Like his dad would order every single WWF and WW, WCW pay-per-view. So every every single one I would go over, we'd hang out. And, uh, but he was big into comics too. So uh, when we're hanging out, you know, at some lulls between the wrestling or I'm also checking out his comic books. I'm like starting to like, oh, this stuff looks pretty cool. And he kind of taught me about comics, like told me what was going on with Spider-Man and the X-Men and taught me about all, all these hot up and coming artists like Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane. This is like the early 90s. And I just got really excited about it. I was like, wow, this art's really cool. Uh, this stuff is really awesome. And I started reading it. And I just started, I got, I got so deep in, like I just went to the comic store one day and just bought like a bunch of comics. Uh, I bought like Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, X-Men. I mostly got into the Marvel stuff at first. And then it was really the big DC events of 92, 93. Might have been both 93 when they came out. Uh, it was The Death of Superman, which I'm actually currently reading because we're going to do it on the next episode of, of, um, of Second Print Comics. Uh, not the next one to air, but the next one I'm recording. And uh, so uh, Death of Superman and Batman Nightfall both kind of brought me into DC Comics. Uh, and from there, it just kind of spiraled. Uh, when the Image guys uh, came out, I got all big into Image. Uh, I got into Valiant. I got into like, I just went comic book crazy for about all. I basically from seventh or eighth grade through all of high school. Uh, and then in college, I, I kind of started to trail over trail out a little bit. I still, I found a local comic book store in my college and I, I would go like, you know, instead of once a week, I would go like once every couple months and pick up some books. So I, I was fading away, but still kind of staying in, in the mix a bit. And at some point I just, I don't know what it was exactly. I think it was just, like you said, like becoming an adult and thinking it was, you know, that was my kid thing. And now I've, I've moved on. I've got other stuff going on. I, I've, I'm getting a job. I have to work. I like, this is my, you know, this is my past. Uh, the gom books will stay at my, my parents' house in Connecticut. And uh, maybe I'll look at them again someday. And I just, I really spent about, I would say from like 2004, 2005 till maybe 2013, hardly even thinking about comics at all. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure what it was exactly that, that first got me back in, but I know there was like a, a local comic book store by, by the house I was living at the time. And I just kind of like walked by one day when I was walking my dogs and I kind of just like was peeking in the guy's like, Oh, come on in. I was like, Oh, I can bring my dog. in. he's like, yeah, it's fine. Cause it's kind of like this open air comic book store, uh, dream worlds in, in uh, Culver city, California. Check it out. Uh, if you're in the area, a uh, really nice guy that owns it. 
But uh, yeah, he kind of invited me in. And I, I kind of told him my whole story. He's like, oh, I used to be really into comics and I told him what my favorite books are. And uh, my favorite book of all time was Savage Dragon, which I talked about on the Second Print Comics podcast. And uh, I told him that. He gave me like some of the new Savage Dragon issues. And uh, he gave me like 30 or 40 comics for free. He just gave them to me. Like he's like, he was so excited to see someone like that had been away for so long, kind of getting back into it that he just like loaded me up with books. And uh, a lot of them were like Marvel books that I didn't really get that into. But uh, one of them was, like I said, Savage Dragon. And I was like, I read that issue and I was like, oh, my God, this happened. And I don't want to say what this is for anybody who might might not have read the whole series yet. But I, it made, that made me want to go see everything that had led up to that, which was like 100 issues of stuff. So that was like my first kind of foray back into things was trying to go back and find all the Savage Dragon issues and, and catch up on all of that. And uh, yeah, I just kind of spiraled from there. Once I got back into that, I, I started just getting back in in general. I, I, um, I started finding, you know, some comic book podcasts uh, and um, they really kind of led me into, I think at this point it was probably around DC rebirth that I started getting more back into mainstream comics again, or maybe even secret wars right before that, around, around that time, 2015, 2016. Um, and I, I think in many ways, technology has helped me too, because uh to me, it just like as an adult, it's like, oh, I don't have time to go to a comic book store like every week. But and Remzo might be shaking his head at this. My, my co-host on Second Print Comics, because he's a he's a huge proponent proponent. And I understand it of the print holding the comic, the feel of the comic. And I certainly understand mm -hmm. that feel because I still feel that way when I, when I go look at an old comic book. And uh, but there's something called convenience and it is so convenient for me now to just read a comic without having to leave my house, uh, that it really made, it made it feel more accessible to me again. Uh, so that's, that really is also a big part of me getting back into things. The fact that if I want to go read a book, I don't necessarily need to like drive to 20 comic book shops to go find it. I can just go online and either buy it on comiXology instantly or now, I mean, there's so many apps out there like, you know, Marvel Unlimited for six bucks a month. I have every Marvel comic essentially ever made. Um, there's the Hoopla app, which is like this, the most amazing secret ever when it comes to comics. Uh, if you have like a library card, really all you need is a library card from anywhere in the US and you can go online and join Hoopla. And it's basically like a, li a digital library, but they have so many comics. It's just unbelievable. I've, I've read like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comic books on Hoopla over the years. So in so many ways, technology is just because it's made it so easier for me to go back and read old things, uh, find out about new things without having to invest like hundreds and hundreds of dollars it would have taken to do that back in the day. I mean, that, that's been a, a huge, uh, huge boon. And I, I've really rediscovered my passion for the medium. Uh, and, and that rediscovering that passion is what eventually led me to starting this podcast. Because, you know, one thing um, I, I was finding, you know, during it really started during the pandemic, uh, when it first started anyway. And I got furloughed from my job. I spent a few months in Mexico and uh, I was really trying to apply myself. I was trying to develop new skills, start new projects, uh, really use the time wisely. And then I also find myself thinking, man, I, I really want to read some more comic books now that I have this extra time. But I was like, how can I justify this? I can't, I'm trying to really better myself here. I can't justify dedicating hours and hours to reading comic books again, unless, unless I make reading comic books part of one of my new projects. So that was my, my brilliant idea to convince myself to chalk off hours and hours every week to, to read comic books so I could do this podcast. Uh, so the first person I thought of uh, was my friend Remzo Martinez. I've known him through for years through the Lions of Liberty, uh, through podcasting in general, through the libertarian community in general. general. Um, it's actually, kind of a full circle thing in some ways. Cause um, you know, he first reached out to me maybe 
you know, five or six years ago. Um, I'm not sure exactly where we kind of collided into each other on the internet, probably on a Facebook group or something. Uh, but he's like, are you that Mark Claire? I'm like, that Mark Claire, what does that mean? And like, he's like, no, the Lions Liberty. I'm like, he's like, yeah. I mean, and he's like, wow, you like inspire, you helped inspire me to become a libertarian and go all this. I'm like, what? I said, this is like before I realized that people are actually listening to the podcast and act, some people actually do get inspired by what we do. Um, so um, uh, at some point in that run, you know, we, I, we ended up finding out we were comic book fans and, um, at one point we actually started doing a bonus show for our respective podcasts where we looked um, at the Watchmen uh, reboot that uh, Jeff John said, why uh, doomsday clock? I almost had a stoner moment there. Uh, we were looking at doomsday clock. And, and so that was sort of like, a, well, at first it was monthly, but then that book became delayed by two months, delayed by three months yeah. at a time. Uh, but that's that's the first kind of experience we had hopping on talking about comics together. And I felt like we had pretty good chemistry doing that. Uh, so when I had this idea, he was the, the first person that popped into my mind, particularly because he's got about, no, I've got about 15 years or so on him. So we come from essentially different comic book generations uh we we had different books that we read growing up we had different influences we have different favorite books uh, but we also share a lot of similar views on things so i thought it was a really good contrast that uh we're coming into this thing sort of in many ways we're introducing each other to books that inspired us uh so not only am i, am I getting a chance to go back and, and look at the comic books that inspired me and that inspired a lot of the tv and, and media and, and movies that we see now uh but we also get to introduce each other to those comics as well and hopefully in that process introduce the listeners uh or reintroduce people for the laps fans we're kind of there for everybody i think we're, we're great for the laps fan that is, is like me and you that had a pe period where we kind of uh fell out of things and maybe we have these fond memories of childhood of reading x-men and spider-man and reading all these all these uh various books um but also for people that are just finding out about this stuff in the first place because we really do our best to try to break things down uh you know at a beginner level uh, for people that really have never read this stuff before so uh i think it's very accessible for anyone no matter where you are on your comic book journey whether whether you're uh, you know, a veteran or whether you're, you know, a laughs fan or just a complete newbie. I think we're, we're kind of something for everybody as, as cliche and cheesy as that is. Yeah. Comics are such a great medium that like, and it's like weirdly, like I like to read a lot of like libertarian books and stuff, but it's like kind of a great medium where it kind of like switches it up and it kind of is like more relaxing and even like it will tackle like really lofty stuff sometimes. Like, but even then it's still like a break from like reading, like, I don't know, fucking like, um, uh, I don't know, like 1984 or, or fucking yeah. Mankin or some shit. Like it's, it's I think that was part of it too, because I got so immersed in the world of libertarian politics. Uh, I was either always doing a podcast or talking about politics or philosophy or reading a book or reading a book for a bit of a guest. I'm going to interview that. I, I really felt more of the need to mix it up, to like have something else in my brain where I'm not just reading just about uh, all this political stuff. Although, you know, when when you get into this mode, you start to see the politics everywhere, you know, because it really is everywhere. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, politics is our core beliefs and our core beliefs or it stems from our core beliefs and our core beliefs are everywhere in culture. So I think in some ways, the more I try to get away from it, the more I get back into it because you realize how pervasive everything is, how much it all all kind of you know lapses together. Uh, the line between culture and politics can be very blurry. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's, but it is cool in that, like, I don't know, let's be real with our, with our philosophies, most stuff doesn't necessarily appeal to us, like in that way to our philosophy, but you can read something. For example, my favorite author is probably Alan Moore, yeah, our comic same. book author. And he is not at all, I mean, like, he's, we're probably both, I think he's an ANCOM, so we're both anarchists in that sense. But, uh, from there, I, I didn't even know anything about his politics, really. I'm, don't quote me. I mean, I'm, this is something I'm pulling on my ass. I, I can see it. I tell it makes sense. <laughs> I'm almost certain he's an ANCOM. Like 95% right. sure he's an ANCOM. 
And uh, yeah, I remember I've just heard it in passing. I yeah, I'm, totally I'm uncovering some Reddit threads talking about yeah, yeah, uh, talking about anarchy. Now I got to now now I want to interview Alan Moore. Yeah, which podcast I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, right. You could do both, but yeah, he, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's an ancom, so that's why like uh, I, probably like why I do appeal to him to some extent. But like, there's a lot of his stuff I'll read, and there's a moral to it that's obviously like political, and it's like something I don't agree with at all. But I can still be like, this is a great story, and I don't know. There's something to that. It's kind of like. I don't know, maybe in the political sphere, like reading a book, if I read something that completely opposes my viewpoint, or even if say it's like Bill Maher, sometimes it comes off as grating and it's like hard to find those. But in comics, right. it kind of like allows you to explore those philosophies without getting super fucking irritated. <laughs> sure. I mean, this is yeah. the one thing that Remzo and I talked about recently because we went back and read the Max uh, from Image, Sam Keith. And uh, there's a lot of, of themes about fe feminism in there. And, but, you know, one thing we discussed is like, at no point, I mean, different characters are talking about their, their views about feminism, the views of, of women, the roles of women in society. I mean, these themes are throughout the whole book. But we both agreed that at, at no point, and you, when you hear me say that, you might think, man, this book sounds so preachy. It, it doesn't come across that way at all. It comes across like actual people you could know in real life having actual conversations and actual sort of different thoughts, uh, different takes on these things. It's not even showing you one view of feminism. They actually like have arguments where people are arguing about different feminist authors that come from things in totally different perspectives. So at the end of the day, though, it's it's the question is, is it adding to the character? Does it, is it meaningful to the story? And in the max, it absolutely is. Uh, there's other circumstances in, in certain like I know well, a lot of the stuff that like Remzo complains about with the, the new wave of a lot of stuff you see in Marvel comics where they're just trying to they're obviously just trying to shoehorn certain things in just because you know we have Riri Williams just so we could say we now have a, a black chick Iron Man. You know? yeah, did, didn't they only switch that over in like a fucking one shot or some shit? Like they just like, he's black now. It wasn't even like a natural transition. If I remember. Yeah, that. it was really, it was, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I read some of those books actually. There were a, a Bendis run of Iron Man where the, where yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a good story. And that, that really is the point is when it's a good story and it makes sense for the story, then it's fine. And if the story sucks, because you're shoehorning it in, not creating a natural story and a, a character that evolves in a natural way, then uh, fans, by and large, are going to reject it, reject it. And um, I don't know. I don't know if fans have rejected Riri Williams, but she's certainly not, not a, a popular character but by any means. I'm not trying to pick on her. She's not even a real person. Why do I have to feel bad about picking on her? Uh, but, uh, you know, there are, there are other examples, like Miles Morales, for example, uh, I think has been always a great character has been done really well. Uh, even as someone who grew up as a Spider-Man fan, I can accept him as a second Spider-Man because he, he kind of fills a different role than Peter Parker does. And his, his story is, has sort of made sense and he's been a well-developed character. So it's not about, Oh no, there's a, a, a different cultured character here. It's just about, is this a good story or not? Does this make sense or not? Cause I fully understand. Uh, I mean, when comics first came out in the thirties, forties, fifties, every character is white. And I understand why in 2020, publishers don't want every single character of theirs to be white that makes perfect sense that makes business sense it makes practical sense it makes all the sense in the world because uh, so many people are reading these books that aren't white so of course you want people out there to to at least realize that there's people of their own color I, I can totally see that I have no issue with that at all but make some good stories, make some original characters. Uh, I, I don't like the retreads. Of, I know I guess gave an example of Miles Morales, which is a, to is a complete retread of a character. Uh, but for the most part, you, you would do you would do better justice to these stories if you just come up with something original, come up with something brand new instead of just trying to give us the black chick Iron Man or, or, or what have you. Honestly, though, with Miles, not to get too deep on a tangent, but Miles is like it's part of his character that he's a retread of a character. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Part of him is that he's like his whole character is like filling the shoes of his hero. 
Right. You know, and then like, I don't know, like, I don't know how far you've gone. I mean, I don't, I never read the comics, but I know. I've, I know like, the whole story of, yeah. yeah. You like how in the ultimate comics, Peter Parker died and it was a right. big deal for him. And I mean, obviously anyone's seen the animated movie would know by now. It's basically kind of that to some yeah, extent, universe, yeah. but <laughs> like, which is yeah. maybe the best. I don't know if it's the best. It, it's probably one of the best animated superhero movies, if not the best ever. And it might be one of the best superhero movies ever. I just can't get enough of that movie. Every time I forget how good it is and I watch it again and I remember how good it is. Yeah, it made me thankful to have kids because I have a good excuse to watch it with my yeah, yeah. not make fun of me. Like, watch it with the kids. <laughs> yep. hey, yeah, awesome. It's for the kids. Kids, sit down. Watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I must have watched it like three or four times. It's a kick-ass movie. Yeah. Uh, kick-ass soundtrack, too. It's like just amazing movie. Yeah. But uh, uh, so you already brought up, you kind of fucked up one of my questions. I was going to ask yeah, you what, I do. what you're reading right now. You got to be careful because if you if you wind me up, I'm like one of those dolls. You wind me up and I, I just keep going until I until I, until it runs out, which it doesn't. Hey. I mean, whatever that works out well for me. It's kind of like yeah. having Scott Horton. You just let him go. Exactly. Scott Horton's my Scott Horton's my week off when I get to interview him for Lions of Liberty. Here's the format. Hey Scott, how you been? Great. All right. Question. And War. Now go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you, what, the question is asked is uh, what you're what you're reading right now. You already brought up you're reading the Death of Superman. Have you read it before, or is, is this like a reread to to for the the podcast? Or yeah, so I read it um, both as a youth when it came out, as it came out, like every single week because I think it, it yeah it definitely bounced from from book to book to book, uh, and then as did the continuing saga after that where there was funeral for a friend, uh, world without Superman. And then there was the reign of the Superman and there was the return of Superman. I read all of that stuff. I think the whole thing took place over like maybe a year. Um, and I read all of those as they came out. And I, I own all those original books at, at what I call the vault at my parents' house in Connecticut. Um, but uh, yeah, I read all that stuff and I, I've reread it since then. I actually reread it. It's one of the stories I reread. Um, I think I reread it even you know as a kid a couple of times. And then as an adult, I kind of was like, that was one of the stories I went back to like, oh, I remember this. I read it. And now I'm reading it yet again for uh, for the comic book, for the for the podcast. So I probably read it like four or five times total. So it's just Death of Superman. So you're it's probably ending with the death. Because I know it's a, the big issue people have was that the Death of Superman was good. But then the, the subsequent like stories were just trash. So, yeah, I mean, this I, I plan to eventually uh, just because it would be too much for one episode. We're just doing the death in this one. But yeah, I'd like to eventually get to the other stuff. And I. I remember actually liking it as a kid, but you know, I like a lot of stuff as a kid that I I read now, and I'm like, uh, like Maximum Carnage. We did that was a 14 part series, and it might have been a decent three part series, but it's a terrible 14 part series because it's it's basically just the same group of characters getting into a battle, splitting apart. A couple of new cameo characters get added in. They get into another battle. They get spread apart again. And this happens 14 times for 14 issues. And it's just, it's such a drag. And I remember loving it as a kid. I was like, this is so awesome. But reading it as an adult uh, in one sitting was was actually hard. Like it actually felt difficult. It was like, that was the first time I'm like, wow, I'm actually doing work now. I'm only finishing this because I'm doing it for this podcast. This is now a job. <laughs> yeah, just throwing flashy fight scenes and shit at you when you're an adult isn't as cool. When you're a kid, right. you're like, this fucking dope yeah <laughs> kid, all, all i need is pretty pictures i mean i liked even as a kid i really feel like i eventually gravitated towards the comics that had the better stories like i like alan moore became my favorite writer in my teens um so i, I feel like eventually i got there but yeah you can look over a lot more stuff uh you know when you're 13 14 than you can when you're 40 <laughs> like me so uh, what i'm reading right now is uh, earth x and uh, i'm probably about uh i'm like literally in the last chapter and i've been uh kind of pleasantly surprised with it it's kind of cool a little weird i don't know i mean i, I kind of dig it i mean obviously i see how it finishes i think i have a kind of an idea of how it's going to finish 
And uh, it's not really a story I've ever explored before. So have you that's read it? Our, that's on our agenda. Yeah, I've re I read that. I've read most of the major Alex Ross books from like the late 90s or early 2000s. So I read Kingdom Come, which is amazing. Marvels, which is really amazing. Earth X. Earth X, I remember the least about. I just know it's in the future and things are weird and I can't really remember as much about the plot. So I'm I'm probably most looking forward to going back to that one just because for some reason I remember the, the least about it. Uh, but I think Marvels and Kingdom Come are, are two of my favorite, favorite, you know, I say two of, but that that of is like, you know, there's a hundred, hundred stories after yeah. that, but two of my favorite stories out there. And these are all on the agenda coming at Second Print Comics. We're going to, I'm going to hit all of my favorite stories. Uh, and so is Remzo. And then I don't know. I, I keep thinking, man, is there enough material? And then I, I start typing. And I start like, because we have a, a shared document where we're, we're typing out our ideas for future episodes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's no limit here. I, I could do this forever. There's so much. Remember more favorites. <laughs> yeah. Every day I think of stuff. And yeah. I mean, I guess eventually I'll, I'll, we'll get through every comic I've ever read, but I mean, that's going to take a long time. So I, mm. I, I don't think we'll go anywhere. And then we'll start doing the rereads. So, you know, the show yeah. will continue for, for a very long time. As long as people want to listen, it will go on. Yeah. I've really dug Earth X. I mean, it's like, I mean, it kind of draw obviously was Alex Ross, the art, but uh, like it's been pretty cool. Um, it's it's kind of like a cool what if because there's so many what ifs because there's the whole idea of the story. For those who don't know, is that the entire world for you don't know why it's kind of a mystery. You're finding out as it goes because the Watcher, who this is being told from his perspective, has like lost his eyes for like 20 years. Someone blinded him, so he's kind of getting filled in, and you're getting filled in as it goes. And the whole world has somehow gained superpowers. Like it's kind of assumed that they've all kind of like are mutants sort of like their gene has kind of like come out kind of deal. And it's just, and you're kind of figuring out as it goes. And so there's a lot of cool what ifs, you know, there's also a lot of characters that were mutants or in humans before who kind of developed secondary mutations and like further like gain powers. So, so it's kind of cool. There's a lot of like weird, it's all, almost like a bajillion what ifs. And like, it's one of those cool things where sometimes you can like see in the background of the art, like, Oh yeah, there's that character. And Oh shit. That's what they did to them to change them this way. Like this is their secondary. It's just, it's just really cool. And especially with Alex Ross being like who he is, who, I mean, if you don't know who he is, go look up his art. He's fucking phenomenal. He's not a lot of, he doesn't do a lot of work because he takes fucking forever, which I mean, yeah. perfection doesn't happen quick. So I don't know when, when the last time he did a full book of the interior art, it might, it might have been Earth X. Oh, I know there's like other, after Earth X, there's like Universe X, or I haven't read any of that stuff. Yeah. So I know there's more after that, but I think for the most part, he just sticks to covers now because with his his art, how detailed it is. I mean, each each page, each panel is like a painting that should be in a museum. Like it's absolutely incredible. So it's 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 amazing that he even ever did full books. Um, but um, yeah, and then also uh, along that line, have you ever read Astro City? That's another. I have one. not. No. Oh, that that's one you got to got to check out too. Okay, what is that? Is that a just some like it's, uh, um, independent comic? Yeah, it's it always reminds me of uh, Alex Ross. I think did covers for it. I don't think he did anything yeah. outside of that. He might have just. I think he just did the covers. But uh, it's by Kurt Busiek. It's, it's from, published by Image Comics in, in like the mid nineties, and it's basically just about. Uh, I'm not going to do it justice with the description. It's basically uh, it's like an anthology series spotlighting um, uh, certain like superheroes. It's like kind of in this like fictional fictional American city called Astro City, and it's just. Yeah, I, I won't do it justice with my description, but it, it, I, I highly recommend checking it out again. Okay. Or you can just keep listening to Second Print Comics and someday we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our picks. One thing I talked to Mark beforehand, and he said it was going to be one of those things we're going to kind of be last minute because one of those things hard to pick, but we're, we're going to do three picks. And even when I think I know something, I don't really know it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I already, if any of you guys are actually following this, uh, you know, and saw the episode with Remzo, we're going to go to the same thing. So Mark's going to get my sloppy seconds for my picks 
for uh, not my tops. But at the same time, they kind of are because they, they change every day anyways. Like even during – I was talking before this, and even during the episode with Remzo, I changed a couple of my picks like one or two times. So just in my head. So, uh, but we'll go ahead and we're, we're going to do a favorite pick, which is by favorite, not absolute favorite, because to ask someone who's a comic fan to do that is heresy. It's damn impossible to do because it changes every day. Um, and then we're going to do, we're going to do uh, best for new readers, kind of like a new readers pick, you know, something that the new reader could jump onto and then the most liberty minded. So with that, I'm going to have Mark go ahead and introduce his uh, favorite pick or one of his favorites. All right. So know. there's, there's a couple of ways to look at this. But um, my my app my personal favorite book is Savage Dragon. That's my favorite book of all time. That and that's because that is the book that I have read uh, from the beginning. If I'm just looking at like an overall book, uh, that that's by Eric Larson. He was a Spider-Man artist, one of the founders of Image Comics, and Savage Dragon was a character he created as a kid. It was like the, it was the character he always said, "When I can do this full time." Uh, and it's just me. I want to do this. I want to do this character in a comic and I'm never going to, I want to do that for the rest of my life, the rest of my career. And he has done just that. Like since he started that comic in 92, uh, he has done that comic, the same run. He has written and drawn every single issue of Savage Dragon. He has inked a, a large majority of them. And at one point he was doing the entire book. He was even a lettering it at one point. He, now he stopped that because it was just too much, but uh, he has, he has really committed it to it. And I think that's part of why I love it so much because there are probably better. There are certainly better runs that I love out there. Like, like, I mean like Alan Moore's swamp thing run is just, it's just Epic. I mean, it's one of the the best runs on a comic ever. Um, that was my pick last week or not yeah. last week but with Remzo. Right. <laughs> and, that, and that's, that, that's what I was tempted to think about, but I'm, when I'm just thinking of my favorite, if I have just pick up a book, uh, any issue of any book, I'm going to pick up any issue of Savage Dragon because it, it always clicks with me. Even And this is saying a lot because Eric Larson's politics couldn't be more different than mine. Uh, he And he is not shy about it either. I mean, he inserts his politics right into the book. And I, that's how much I love it, that I can overlook that. I just don't care because to me, and, and I guess maybe, yeah, it does feel preachy at times. And I shouldn't say, he's not always in the book. It's just when it is, it is, you know, like, like, I mean, he has a cover of the main character, Malcolm Dragon, endorsing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And that's the cover of the book. Like, so like, that's how, that's how blatant it is. And he did the same thing with Bush. He had a whole episode issue uh, where uh, I have this thing on second print comics where I always mix up the words issues and episodes, probably because I've been reading comics for so long and podcasting for so long. I get confused. So I often call issues of comics episodes and I often call episodes of the podcast issues. Just something to point out. Cause I just did it right there. Uh, this is what happens when you're just doing stuff all the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Savage Dragon to me is it's, it's such a amazing it's, it's inspired by so many ways, like Eric Larson's art and a lot of the stories he goes into are so inspired by like people like Jack Kirby and like the imagine, the imagination that he has. And I feel like Eric Larson is always reimagining this book, reimagining the characters while staying so goddamn consistently true to those characters the whole time. It's really an incredible thing to see over the course of almost 30 years now. And I think that's why it just is always at the front of my list because I, I, it's the book that, it wasn't what it got me into comics, but it's the first book that I, I got in on from the ground floor and, and never stopped reading even. Uh, and it's, it's also then what got me back into comics. It's what, it's what reignited that passion because, you know, I, I just, it has made me so feel so connected to the characters and feel so connected to the book. Like it's like a part of me now. I couldn't imagine like 
not knowing what's happening in in that book. Uh, so it's 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 the it's the book that I feel the most connected to, and I think it's I think any comic fan if they give it a chance, it's not necessarily maybe going to capture you right away. But if you give it a chance and you let it unfold, I, I have a hard hard time thinking anyone's not going to uh, eventually fall in love with it. It might not be for everybody, but. Um, and, and it's, it's everything. It's everything comics ever needed to be. It's amazing action. It's inventive stories. It's compelling characters. Uh, and it's all, and, and the most fascinating thing about how Eric Larson does Savage Dragon is that he, it, it happens in real time. So that book started in 1992. It's 2020. Every character in that book has aged 28 years in that time. And he takes all that into account and characters have died and their kids have grown up and you see all this play out and you see characters, children interacting now that where their parents interacted, you know, 20 something years ago in the comic. And there are, there are things that tie in. I don't want to spoil it for anyone that wants to go through the run because if you get through this whole run, like your mind's going to be blown so many times, but in the last year, I think it was in the last year or two, there was a scene in an issue of, of Savage Dragon that completely tied in and made made sense of a scene from like issue 16. And it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is maybe he didn't plan that out issue by issue, but he did plan it out. Like he really did that scene intending to pay it off down the road. Um, maybe he didn't have the exact time planned out, but like that, he is looking at this book as his life's work as, as something that's always going to make, like kind of make sense. And he's going to continue to do it as long as he's alive. He's like, I'm not ever retiring from Savage Dragon. I might retire from everything else I, I do in the comics world, but he's never going to retire from Savage Dragon. I, th I just think that's awesome. I mean, that, that's the dream right there. The only way I can see that possible is if he took like a hero's dose of some sort of a uh, fucking, uh, some uh, hallucinogenic and just <laughs> well, <laughs> he'll probably definitely retire it from it being monthly because many times over the years it is it is faltered and it is not uh, like I think like uh, Invincible did more issues than Savage Dragon in a shorter period of time because Invincible actually was every month and Invincible I love too it's one of my other favorite comic runs uh, but but Savage Dragon you know, there's been times where you went three months without an issue or four months without an issue or five months without an issue. And then maybe you'll get to come here. It, it just depends. Cause a lot of times Eric Larson has taken on other big projects. He's done some work for Marvel, some work for DC. Uh, he was actually publisher of image comics at one time. So whenever he pulls himself into another thing, any Savage Dragon fan can tell you that's when the, the issues start slowing down. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely think at some point, yeah, his, his, uh, his, output will probably slow down as he ages i'm sure when he's like 95 years old he's probably not going to be uh inking writing and coloring every book every month but uh i have no doubt that he will continue to keep whittling away as long as there's, there's breath in his body because the passion is so clear and um it's just such an amazing thing to have been able to do uh over such a long period of time and to, and to maintain the same same book he's so anal about having done every single issue of the book that uh, i don't know if you know in, in like after the first year of Image Comics, they did a whole thing. Uh, it was actually in response to the Age of Apocalypse because they Rob Liefeld got word. He talks about it on his podcast, Rob Observations, that, that Marvel was doing this big event where they're going to reset the X-Men with Age of Apocalypse. And it was going to be a, this whole new thing. So they're like, well, we got to do something too. So they came up with Image X Month. And the concept was that every image creator would swap books with another, with another creator. So they would all be working on different books. And uh, Jim Lee and Eric Larson swapped places that month. So the original issue of Savage Dragon number 13 was done by Jim Lee. The original Wildcats number 13 was done by Eric Larson. 
But then Eric Larson was like, no, I got to have the consistent run. So he did a new issue 13 <laughs> to replace the old issue 13. And so now he has a consistent run. So you can still find issue 13 by, by Eric Larson because he couldn't handle, you know, having that one issue that he didn't do in there. It's funny, a little bit fucked up because it's kind of like he shit on the other uh, other writer. But uh, ah, well, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could riff on that more, but I've never read a bit of Savage Dragon. I mean, I only thing that I know of him is from Invincible because I've seen some crossovers. Yeah. And I'm like on volume 20 of Invincible. Ironically, that's how I learned about Invincible was because yeah. Invincible appeared in Savage Dragon. I was like, oh, Farrah Larson likes this thing. Maybe I'll check it out because he... Yeah, you know, early on in Image, they would just do crossovers to everybody, just to get in each other's books. Like Young Blood would appear in Savage Dragon, and it was like obviously the, just to kind of cross promote. But later on, when I was re- when I was like kind of rereading it, it became obvious that to me that Eric Larson actually had an affinity for this book and this character. So I said, all right, because he would even talk about it in his letters page. He's always interacting with his fans. Also, one of the best letters pages in comics history. Uh, every single issue has had a letters page, like a real letters page, an old school letters page, and. One thing I remember from being a teenager, Eric Larson got into a feud with Peter David in both of their letters pages. It was a feud that spanned. I, I want to try to find like all the issues and compile it into its own ebook or something. But Peter David would write letters into, I don't even remember what they were arguing about, but Peter David would write letters into Savage Dragon and Eric Larson would publish them. Eric Larson would then write letters into the Incredible Hulk and, be, and they'd be published in there. And they were like arguing across their their books it was amazing uh yeah i really want to track all uh, there's got to be somebody in the internet who's compiled all those into one cohesive debate but this went on for like months i want to say years i don't even know uh but i I just love uh eric larson's the way he'll interact with other creators interact with fans uh he's never afraid to say what he thinks he always says what he thinks and even though i don't always agree with what he thinks i respect the hell out of it i mean that sounds like a good second print episode (laughs) episode three we did we did have a dragon Oh, I meant like going into the full on. Oh, like, oh that yeah, specifically. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, we, maybe we will do that someday. I mean, or or maybe that'd be more be like a Patreon content type thing. I don't know. Um, so my pick uh, I was gonna do is Preacher. Normally I have it in front of me and I show it, but I made the cardinal skin uh, sin of loaning my comics out to a buddy and never fucking getting them back. So that's one thing. If you're into comics, don't fucking give your friends your comics because uh, they almost never come back. So, <laughs> I mean, unless they're, you're the really, really good friend, you trust them, bring it back. Chances are they probably forget about it for forever and you'll never see it again. Um, but yeah, Preacher, Preacher's the shit. Um, if this is, I don't know if you've ever read Preacher, but it's one of those ones that if you have, okay, yeah. If, if one I've ones, only read a few, I, I think I've, I've sampled it, but I never really got into it, but not because I didn't like it, just because, you know, sometimes you read a couple issues, you're like, I like that, and you just never get back to it. Same thing with the TV show, uh, which oh. I think is pretty different, right? But I, I did actually, kind of like the first episode but again it d- 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 didn't suck me in to watch the next one for whatever yeah reason. the tv show was like wishy-washy it had parts it liked but then it, it i mean i don't know if it's just one of those comics where i was like two or things where i was too attached to the comic that when they changed things in the show i was just like really irritated because it's like one of those things that like sometimes there's certain things that are integral to a character and they change things and like they get really irritated by it like uh okay but yeah, no, the, the book is one of those ones I would highly suggest for you to go back and, I mean, obviously you probably read a shitload and there's there's so many damn comics to read. You really can't hate it on anyone for not reading any one comic, but... It's on, it's on the list of books I want to go back and check out because I, I did read, I feel like I read maybe the first few issues or the first run. I, I know I've read a bit of it, but I never got I never got super deep into it. Yeah, I think you, especially like from, I mean, not that I necessarily know you, but from listening to your content and stuff, I feel like I kind of know you. I feel like it'd be something you'd like. 
Um, cause it's very sacrilegious, very goes into like kind of spiritual. It's very, uh, doesn't give a shit. There's like all sorts of racial slurs, but not in a weird, it's just very unforgiving and doesn't give a shit. Like, it's just, it's kind of like a, the boys, but done in a better way, you know? Cause like, I don't know if you read the comic, the boys, yeah, you know, not, not into the show, the comic goes, people watch the show and think that it's like crazy the comics even way worse the comics, comics like so much crazier than the show <laughs> if anything i kind of like if anything comics kind of to me from what i read i read the first uh like major i forget what it's called whenever you have a, like a large group of comics together i read oh, the first yeah omnibus they call it the omnibus yeah. yeah i read the first one it's like over the top in my opinion i don't really care for it. it's like too not that i have any problems with like gore or sex or or any of that stuff but sometimes it's just like they're doing it just for the sake of doing it yeah, I don't I can like that. that a preacher, you know. I like it, but I could definitely. There's certain scenes I was like, oh, I don't know if I needed that. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just like it's like cool. I'm seeing you. I don't know, fuck a goat or something. Like, haha. Like, I don't know. It's, if it's not anything, if it's not really driving the story forward, and if it's just like you're just doing over the top shenanigans to do over the top shenanigans, and it's not really anything that entertains me really, I'm just kind of like cool like uh, okay <laughs> like i'm not offended by it it's just whatever right at the end of the day i mean that's the one thing with eric larson too i mean he has gratuitous 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 sex and violence but not all the time it's very like spread out it's it, sometimes it seems like all the time because it really stands out when it does and i'm not saying it's always necessary but it is always driving a character story in some way shape or form uh i don't know if that's always the motivation for it but it always it does make sense you know it's not it's not just, oh, you put that there just to shock me. Although there is that, like, oh, I mean, there have been issues of, of Savage Dragon that are so gratuitous that I'm like, I am actually shocked at what I'm seeing. <laughs> but I am, but then I also realize, like, I am shocked for somewhat of a storyline reason as well. So, yeah. No, uh, yeah, Preacher, definitely a good one to check out. I won't go too deep into it, but basically the, the vague idea of it is dude gets this magical power, comes down. You find out later that that power is like a fucking demon and an angel fucked and they created a child and it somehow it threatens hell and, and, and fucking heaven and God has stepped down and is no longer doing God shit. And now the preacher with this like new entity inside of him that gave him the power of the word of God is on a search to find God and to get him to fix things. And it, it, and it's just, it, it goes a lot of different twists and turns. It's, like if I was to describe it to you, it sounds kind of retarded, and you're just like, "This doesn't sound like it'd be interesting." But the it just sounds dumb. Like one of the main characters is a vampire, and it's, don't, there's no reason. There's like vampires isn't a big part of the the show. Just he's a vampire. It just is. Like it's kind of like, why is this guy a vampire? Because because he is. <laughs> Vampires are popular, so we needed a vampire. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a cool story, but it's like there's so much like, it, it, even though it is like really over the top and like you know just craziness it is like it's also weirdly kind of beautiful there's like you know elements of like love there's elements of you know friendship of like it just kind of creates like a deep story and then it kind of has a deeper meaning one thing i always got out of the story that i thought was really cool is the kind of way they depict god because like i don't know if you, like i'm not re a religious person i'm i would consider myself like an agnostic atheist not that we're going too far down that but the way that they describe god is kind of it's it flips it on its head. Like you have a lot of religious people who will say, oh, well, we're created to exalt the Lord or to worship him or whatever. Or, you know, we are here for his pleasure. Like I know growing up, I was religious. So I heard a lot of these tones. But then when you read Preacher, that God, that is true. That is the case. But then they flip it on its head and they're kind of like, well, what kind of asshole would do that? Like, would you create a whole race of beings just to worship you and like make them flawed just so that they can worship you? Like, 
are you really that full of yourself? Like, it's just kind of an interesting, like the way they flip it and kind of make it like, well, you're kind of a self, self, it's really self-evolved asshole, aren't you? <laughs> it's just kind of funny the way they flip it on their head. That's kind of one of the biggest things that got up. And just God is kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. That's not like something I would enjoy for sure. Yeah, it's definitely really cool. And uh, the probably that you, I don't know if you watch the show, the cowboy is actually really, probably one of the more interesting characters too. So, because he's essentially only the, only the one one episode. Oh, okay. Well, he's like the but, angel of death, but I guess the angel of death is like a literal like Western cowboy for some fucking reason. But he's actually kind of a badass. So, and it's like he can basically kill anyone. And he's like basically undefeatable. But then the fact that Jesse has the word of God, you kind of they kind of cancel each other out because he can like he can never cause him a problem. I don't know. Not to go too deep. I can go on the show on this forever. Uh, we'll go into your uh, best for new readers. This is a tough one because I I feel like it really depends on the reader in many ways. Uh, it, it might it might just like depend on what where I think they're coming from. But I think the biggest thing for a new reader is to not overwhelm them. You know, not I don't think you should do- toss them into like you know the middle of of Spider Man like something with like forty years of history or. Uh, really any mainstream book, I don't think you should toss them right into, at least not into like current continuity of anything, because that's just going to be so confusing. I mean, it's confusing for people that have been reading comics for 30 years. It can be hard to keep up with comic book continuity. Uh, So for newer readers, I have a few different ideas, actually. But um, I I think the one, since we're going to settle on one, I'm not going to take the time to name like my top seven (laughs) books for new readers. I think I would actually, if if I really want someone to get into the medium of comic books, who didn't want to get into it before. I think I would recommend them to read The Walking Dead. And this is a comic that I didn't read until I got back into comics around 2013. The show was already out. I had watched the show. I liked it. Didn't love it. I didn't really get past like the second season. It didn't capture me that much, but obviously I was aware of it. And But even before I had gotten back into comics, I had actually seen some people I work with like reading The Walking Dead comic book. And these are people I didn't even like know read comic books. I'm not even sure if they read comic books besides The Walking Dead. That's how big The Walking Dead was becoming um, surrounding you know the TV show. Uh, that, that is people that maybe have never read comics were getting into comics this way. And, and I think with a new reader, uh, I, I want them I want them to see that comic books are not necessarily what they think they are. That comic books are not necessarily just heroes and spandex and and just, you know, cheesy goodbye, good guy versus bad guy stuff that comic books are simply a medium and this medium can be many, many things. And I think that the walking dead is just a great example of how the medium of comics can be, can be done in a way that is just can just that you don't normally think of when it comes to comic books that have thrown the, the entire idea of superheroes at the window. And uh, even, even on the surface of what you think the walking dead is uh, a story about humans fighting zombies. It has nothing to do with zombies, honestly. There are zombies in the book, but it really is about humans. It's about humans dealing with absolute crisis, which which and this could be it's zombies in in The Walking Dead, but this could be, for example, a pandemic, a disease of some kind. It could be a war. war. It could be it could be so many terrorism. It could be whatever you want to fill in here. But it's really about how humans respond to major calamity when they're in situations that they they're completely taken out of their comfort zone and they're in survival mode. This could be an EMP attack. It could be it could be so many different things. It just happens to be zombies. Uh, and I, I just think the book is so well done. I really just checked it out just to check it out. And it's it's one of the few books. Uh, the two books that I would describe this way are, are books that really like got me so excited about comics again. Um, 
were The Walking Dead, both by the same person, by the way, Robert Kirkman and Invincible. Uh, I, again, I had heard about Invincible through Savage Dragon when I was catching up on that and decided to check it out. I instantly fell in love with it. And honestly, Invincible is another one is another pick I, I would choose in there. It's kind of my 1A and 1B. Uh, maybe if I feel like they're more inclined to sort of be into superhero stuff, I might send them to Invincible because it takes superhero concepts, but it flips so many of them on their head. And it's, it's such a compelling story. Um, much like Savage Dragon, it's like a really complete run, like, like of, of whatever 200 something issues it is. Um, and it's just such an impressive run to me as well. Uh, but you know, if I'm going to pick one, I'm still probably going to get lean towards walking dead just because it's so, it's so outside of the normal stereotypes of, of what comic books are, what the, what the medium it is, is it really shows you what the medium can be. And, and the walking dead is just everything. It's, it's drama, it's horror, it's suspense. It's, it's everything you, it's everything that a TV show could be, uh, but it quite hasn't quite been from what I've seen. Uh, and it's just really like the characters compel you so much. That's what it comes down to in The Walking Dead. Like there's cool scenes where they fight zombies. There's compelling moments of conflict. But at the end of the day, I mean, they make you by the end of Walking Dead, by the end of his story arc, they make you feel so bad for Negan. I mean, they make you actually like love this character who is a complete piece of shit. I mean, as bad as he is in the show, he's, he's like worse in the comics. He's a horrible, horrible person. But somehow, naturally, over the course of, of many years of books, they actually do make you feel for this character. And eventually you learn more about his backstory. You learn why this bat's called Lucille. Uh, and, and it's like, it's just really compelling. And I, in, a, in a way that not many books have done for me, they have made me truly, truly care about the characters in the book. And when someone dies in that book, by God, you feel it like every single time. I mean, it is like, because you know, like, so, and the book is done in the way that you like, you pretty much know everyone's on the death list. Like, like anyone can die at any time. Um, but certain characters kind of have certain story arcs where even though, you know, anyone can die because that is the nature of the book. You, you, you some characters feel above it and no one's above it. And uh, it is just, it's done. It's just so, such a well done book. It's, it's an absolute masterpiece. I think uh, even the way it ended, I, I think I was really lucky to get into the walking dead and invincible when I did, because I, I had the privilege of, the, of getting to read basically the entire runs of those books up until about before they ended. Somehow the timing just worked out where I caught up like right before maybe a couple issues away from them actually ending. I think Invincible might've actually ended like right before I, I caught up and then Walking Dead, I caught up and I was reading it monthly and then it ended, but it ended. There was no announcement. No one knew this book was ending, including myself until you picked up that final issue and, and you realize it's the final issue. And it was just done so brilliantly. I mean, how often can you, can you, kind of swerve the, the the reader that a comic is ending like nowadays i mean you know you know when characters are dying you know when books are ending and new number ones are starting you know all this stuff months and months ahead of time but somehow walking dead i think he even i i don't quote me on this i think he even put out like fake previews for for next issues so that they were still appearing in the, the previews that's how much like people didn't know that this book was ending when it was um so because it's like a, such a complete package for me and i, I could really just wreck i could just tell someone if you like it, read the first graphic novel and then read the rest and you can read the whole thing. And I, I think if someone can get into that book and see, see it for what it is, uh, they'll, it'll really open their mind to the medium overall, as opposed to, you know, if I toss them into the middle of Marvel or DC, it's just gonna, it's just gonna, you know, if I pick the right story, it might excite them, might interest them, but decent chance it just scares them off too. Cause they don't know who these 70 characters that we just referenced are. Yeah. I mean, even if it is like this one single story, 
Like, for example, like Swamp Thing's a good example. Like, I can be like, oh, Alan Moore's run of Swamp Thing, if I was going to pick that. If, for one, I would never pick that for a, a beginning reader. But let's say no, it was, no. it was, say, let's say that story was a little bit but more. I might. I might, depending on who they are. Like, if, I, if it's, true. you know, <laughs> if, I, if I do someone that is, is really into, like, I don't know, like Stephen King books, mm-hmm. maybe I, maybe I toss them that to that you know someone that i is into like you know that, that kind of feel of things so it, it's all like an individual thing but yeah that, that's why it was a tough question for me because it's like i don't know who which specific person i know am i, am I recommending this to you know uh, but yeah i mean my point i was getting at with that was like even if i was to be like hey this author's run of this story or whatever then to them it's like for this entrance thing it's just like it, it's still attached to this like greater mythology and then even though it's like you could read alan moore's run of swamp thing and not have to read any other Swamp Thing. I don't think I've ever read any other Swamp Thing other than Elmore's Swamp no, Thing. Not, it, I don't think I've read a word of, other than his appearance in other comics. But if you're a noob, you don't know. You're just like, uh, what? Like, this is a, just seems a weird spot to jump in. You're like, no. It's Dr. Arcane. Why is he dead? Why do I care? I mean, there is a little bit of stuff in the story that you're like, uh, what? But you kind of just roll with it. And you're like, who fucking cares? But yeah, <laughs> that is the best way I do. I roll with it. <laughs> Uh, for my pick, I did Batman, The Dark Knight. Re- Oops, hit, the, hit my mic. Batman, The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, it, was, it was on my short list. That's a good one. Yeah, for uh, I figured it was a good one for new readers because it's just it's a dope story for one, and two, it's really you can kind of just read that story and then that's it. Like I know there is a sequel. Don't read the sequel; it kind of sucks. There's a threequel or whatever you want to call it, and I've never read that. I don't know. I mean, I, know, I think it's is it still ongoing or is it over now? I don't know. I think they just did the three. I'm pretty sure. Okay, it was like Dark Knight Returns and. What Dark Knight Returns again? I don't remember the, exactly what they're called. They're all like a take on that on that um, that title. Well, I knew they were still writing the third one. I just forget what it was. I just don't know if they finished it or what. I mean, I don't know. I never really heard anything that compelling that really made me wanna wanna watch it. I, I don't know. I didn't really care. Like, or not watch it, read it. But yeah, I, I don't know. Especially because the second one kind of messed it up for me. Maybe if the second one had been better, I'd been more apt to want to read the third one. If anything, uh, Dark Knight Returns kind of was like almost for me. It was like the Batman Bible. So, like, to make a second, it was like, I mean, it's not a very good uh, metaphor because if you're a biblical person, you know the New Testament kind of is a sequel. But let's let's say it's all together. If someone was to make a sequel of the Bible now, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, no. <laughs> Bible <laughs> too. Well, actually, actually, they did do that. But yeah, It's the New Testament. Yeah, that's my point. Oh, oh that was the joke. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, it's it's just a kick-ass movie. And it's kind of just Batman older. There, especially now, if you went and read it, if you've watched Batman vs. Superman, um, I mean that movie sucks, but um, you know, there's a lot of beats they took from that story. And if anything, movie that every time I, I want to like it, but I just it, there's problems. Yeah, I don't they know. They try to cram too much into one movie. They tried to cram in Superman v Doomsday with Dark with Dark Knight Returns, with also let's introduce Wonder Woman too. It's, it's just and Lex Luthor. It's just like way too much all at once. Yeah, if you read Dark Knight Returns, it'll kind of make bum you out as to what Batman for Superman could have been. Because, like, I mean, not that I want it necessarily to be exactly that book, but like, for example, like the motivations of Batman and Superman fighting, retarded. Didn't make sense at all. Like, just stupid. In the book, in, in the comic book, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of people argue that Superman's motivations don't make sense and aren't in character in the book, but you can kind of, you know, make yourself, you, you can buy it. Because a lot of people are like, because in. In Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, it's like futuristic. All the superheroes are no longer active, and except for ones who work for the government. And Superman's one of them. And a lot of people argue that Superman would never do that. And the whole point of the book is, you know, Batman comes out of retirement because you know Gotham goes to shit. And in the end, he ends up having to fight Superman. That's the most popular part. There's a lot of other cool parts to it. There's 
you know, him kind of like battling, you know, there's a, I forget, it's like the head of the mutants or whatever, which it's a fight between him and the head of it, but really it's more of a fight against him. It's like in himself. It's kind of what this, I always interpret it as. It's kind of him aging and kind of them, you know, visually representing that and how it's like he has to learn how to adapt to his old age. So like, yeah. And then there's also, you know, that he gets to, he has to fight the Joker again. And, and that, I feel like that kind of represents how he's getting older and getting sloppier and kind of how maybe he shouldn't be doing this anymore because anyone's read the book knows what happens with Joker and that. And it's kind of due to a fuck up from Batman. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. If you want to pontificate on Dark Knight Returns, if you have any thoughts. I, I love the book. I think it's a great choice as a starting point, too, because especially because I, I did try to think of like a Batman story. And that, that's the one that I thought of um, because but I wanted something self-contained. So that, that's why I think it works for a new reader, because most readers know who Batman is. So it's mm -hmm. OK to give toss them into Batman as long as it's not too overwhelming. And I think it, it's self-contained enough, like. You don't, it's not a million references. They know who Superman is. They know who the Joker is and they don't need to know anything else because the story tells, tells you the rest. And it, it's, it's again, a comic that's done so much differently than other comics, even of its time over comics overall that I, I think, and I think, I think that's the goal with like, with a, a new reader, unless the new reader is like a 13 year old. If it's like an adult that I'm trying to get into it, I want to show them the adult side of comics. I want to show them that comics are not just little kitty stories. Like there's compelling stories here and uh, they're, they're not necessarily what you think. And I think that that story checks those boxes while still keeping them in an area that they are kind of familiar with. Like they know who Batman is they know who Superman is, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, with that, you want to move on to your Liberty minded pick? Let's do it. Let's do it. What, what you got? <laughs> this is actually the hardest one for me in many ways, because it's there's not that many stories that are at the same time. There's not that many stories that are explicitly libertarian. I can also find libertarian themes like anywhere I look, you know, if I really want to find them, I can find a libertarian character or a character that has a libertarian viewpoint. Uh, but for me, I, I thought about Watchmen. It's not Watchmen, but I thought about Watchmen because uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I think there are libertarian elements you can take from it. I wouldn't really necessarily call it libertarian story but there's certainly certainly lessons you can pull out there uh but i actually went with another alan moore story i'm going with v for vendetta and i, and I think that's a good one too because a lot of people are, are familiar with with the movie uh with the film and i think the film as far as adaptations go it's fairly close you know it's, it's close enough for my for my liking i guess i, I should say as far as movies go and it's just a it's a really compelling story about uh, this guy V who's who's fighting against this fascist government, and it really lays out you know what if what if, it really does like lay out what fascism is, what fascism would look like. And while I'm not necessarily in agreement with the actions of the character, I would not recommend blowing up buildings and things of this nature. Uh, it is also a very inspiring story, and uh, it it really does does you know it does more to highlight political issues and the the sort of dangers of, of tyrannical government the dangers of what a government can become when the citizens are basically either are asleep or compliant or not paying attention for long enough this is what can happen and it's it's all too real especially nowadays it's literally all too real it's now the year 2020 and there was a fire i think that's when the, the book took place and there was a virus and there yeah so yeah, it's actually way, way too close to home now. Uh, but but as far as stories go that, that kind of highlight a lot of the political themes, uh, it's, it's really hard for me to think of, of too many more that do so more than V for Vendetta. And I'm sure that's that's on your list somewhere with uh, you being such an Alan Moore fan, too. Uh, yeah, so my pick for most Liberty Don't mind. tell me. 
<laughs> v for vendetta. All right. See? Yeah, I went with the same one. I was going to do that one last week, but I just like uh, – that was one of the ones I changed my mind on, and I went with Red Sun in, instead because – I don't know if it was you or it was Ramsey who said they never read uh, Red Sun. It was Sun. me. I had never read it. It's a good book. Uh, I don't know if you watched the movie. I watched the movie recently. Ramsey was going on about it, that it was cool. I was kind of disappointed a little bit with the movie. I mean, it was still good. I think from someone who's not emotionally attached to the book, they'd probably enjoy it. But for me, being a little bit emotionally attached to the book, there was a couple couple of beats that they kind of, I thought were essential they missed. But whatever. You know, it's still good. But just know if you watch the, watch the movie or not. But yeah, no uh, – Red Sun was last week. The View from Vendetta. Yeah, you are right. The uh, set. I don't remember what the year setting is, but in the book, literally, I mean, the 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 setting of the story is in like England, essentially. I'm not exactly. I don't know if it's London or what. And in V for Vendetta, America is is currently a shit show. It's essentially anarchy, and not in the way that me and you would think of anarchy. More in the way that like you know. Your normal dude off the street thinks of anarchy, you know? Bad anarchy. <laughs> yeah, the bad anarchy. <laughs> you know, the ANCOM type anarchy. <laughs> Just kidding if you're an ANCOM listening. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, the bad anarchy. And the reason why is because of a virus that was released by the government. I think they imply it was the uh, UK government in this, but it was released by the government and the United States has completely gone to shit because they just fell apart from it. And but instead, instead of going to shit, UK went full on authoritarian, and that's how they got it together. So yeah, it is very creepy. Um, I actually got my wife to watch the movie during, nice. in the middle of the pandemic, at the heat of it. I mean, you're in Cali, so we did the same thing. We watched it. We watched it recently over the pandemic time as well. So my wife loves the movie. So. My wife had never seen it, so and she actually still hasn't seen it all because she got like halfway through and was like, "Turn the shit off." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, it's good, but I can't fucking do it. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> it, it is really and you're still married. Wow. No. Yeah. no, I mean I watch I watched it too before she did, like, cause I was kind of just like, I wonder what it would be like to watch this right now. Cause it's like weirdly borderline prophetic. And yeah, it's, it's scary it, watching it now. It's creepy watching it, especially because it was like, I mean, I'm in Florida, so what I would consider the heat of the pandemic is different than probably what you'd consider the heat of the pandemic in, in Cali. But what I consider the heat pandemic, I watched it then. And I was like, I was a little bit like, oh, this isn't as fun as the first time I watched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, but not as fun. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. stops being as fun when it's like actually happening around you. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't quite enjoy this as much now. Yeah. I actually think they might bust into my house. The one thing about it that is like, uh, at least in the movie, it really struck me like all that torture he puts uh, he puts her through. And then you're like, you're like at the end, you're like, uh, that part didn't seem necessary. I don't think you actually had to do that to, to prove your point. Yeah. It's funny. Have you have you read the comic book? Um, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, uh, you're now a morphin. Yeah, I think I don't know if you're you. The way I always tell people when it comes to the book versus the movie is the movie is better for like a. It's better in the sense of that it's great. It's good for a. It's more relatable because it's like more made for like kind of like a post 9/11 era kind of yeah, how yeah. It's written. And then the book is it's. It's a little less relatable, but it goes more deeper into the, his philosophy and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's more um, like deeper on the political like philosophy end of things, yeah. I think. So that's why I, I would recommend yeah. it for the political people. Yeah, it's very. I yeah, I love the book. Like it's it's great. One of these days, I'm going to go back and read it again. It's it's a great book, and it's actually less like I feel like the the book is like less like superhero-y. Like he is represented as this like almost immutable force that is superhero-y, but. Whenever he does his like antics of shit, it's almost like it's sometimes a lot of times it's done in the shadows or off screen yeah, or yeah. off panel or whatever. So it's not really like you don't. It makes him a little more of like a character. So, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, um, 
great book. We obviously we both picked it. So I mean, if you're if you're liberty minded and you want to get a mind. it's a it's the one you need to look into. Uh, yeah, um, we're already at an hour. Dang, we we I, I thought I I thought we would. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> time flies. Time flies when you're talking comics. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up. Remzo and I will look up and be like. Sometimes we'll think like, oh, is this this is this is only four issues we're talking about? This is gonna go fast. We look up, it's almost two hours. Like, oh, okay, well, okay. I'm kind of like want to like pontificate more in some of these. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to make this like a two hour episode. But uh, yeah, <laughs> one thing I did want to bring up, not to make it too long. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up from the first time we talked, I just finished the boys. Uh, you said you read the comic. I haven't read all the comics. I only read the one omnibus. But uh, I think I read pretty much the same as you. Uh, that, that first, like, large. I want to think I finished the whole thing. Maybe I didn't quite get through the omnibus, but I read, I read most of it that first. So what I wanted was your opinion because I think the boys, the TV show, was one of the few examples where the the show or movie or whatever is done better, in my opinion, than the comic or book, whatever. So I'd like to know your opinion because I, I, that's personally how I felt that it was. I just felt like it was better. I didn't really care for the comic all that much, and I felt like. Don't get me wrong. Second season, if we go into the in the weeds, I do think there were some like some beats they went down that I was kind of like, why'd you do that? Kind of came off more SJWE in the second season. Well, yeah. I, I I only watched the first episode of the second season. I didn't turn it off because of SJW or anything. It's just yeah. with me, I will go back and watch it at some point. But it, with me, it's like we'll try to watch like a show, a show, a show, and then one or two of those shows will be the ones that I go deep on. And right when I was starting it, I like. Uh, it didn't really compel me to. I, th- I think I watched the first two episodes, knowing I'll come back to it. But then I got into Better Call Saul, and we watched like all of it from the beginning. So that's been my distraction. So I, I have to, but I will probably get back to it. But um, just speaking from like the first season, mm. yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, because you can't, and it's not like it's not like a TV show is is uh, tame at all. Like, if if you adapted that that sh- that book directly, I mean, it would just be. It would be too much even for Amazon or even for HBO. I mean, NC-17. like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, beyond like triple yeah. X. I mean, it's like insane. I mean, like just, just little things like, okay. In the, in the, in the TV show, it's implied that, uh, what's her name? Who's the main, the main character of the, uh, the, the, the female. I can't remember. The name. Oh, the female. I think they call yeah. her the female is what her name is. In the, in the yeah. Movie. No, no. The, uh, ah, she has her, she has a superhero name. I can't remember her name. Anyway, you know the chick that were is with star the girl or star something, star something. Oh, whatever. star girl. Yeah. I was, okay. Yeah. I was thinking that you were talking about the Asian chick who is the female. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Star girl. Star girl. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, no, she in the comic, she, oh no, in the, in the, in the show, it's heavily implied that she goes down on the deep. Then mm-hmm. like the first episode or two. In the book, it's more than heavily implied that she is gang raped by the entire crew. So it's like little things yeah. like that. And I think that's like what you're talking about before about things that are just like too over the top. Like you didn't need, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's shocking. It's shocking both times. It's like, if you hadn't read the book, then the show is, part, is shocking when they do that. If you've read the book and the show is like, oh, that's how that's all I did with that. Okay. But for a show, it probably is done a little bit better. Like it's, they don't have as much shock value for the sake of shock value in the show where it, everything, at least from the first season is kind of done more to, to move the story along. Not, not really. There's not too much. that's really for shock value in the show. And there are, there are shocking moments, but they're shocking moments that actually like make sense for the story. Whereas I, I do feel like the book does get, like you said, a little gratuitous. I mean, there's a whole storyline of, of the one, uh, the one superhero, the robot guy who's like obsessed with like, uh, fucking everybody in the butt. And then he just starts like, he just starts his problem is he just goes raping people in the butt yeah. while he's in the middle of superhero missions. Like any raped his little, his little psychic partner. 
Like, man, I can't, I don't think they'll ever go through for that storyline in the show. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. That's but, a perfect uh, example of what I was talking about earlier. Cause that yeah. whole, I remember that issue too. That whole issue is just them trying to figure out this, like why he's doing like, not why he's doing, but they're, cause the boys are kind of like this, like, I don't know, fed boy, you know, type alphabet boy type thing. And they're trying to figure out, they're trying to like blackmail these people. So he's going after him. And it's literally the whole issue is just him, different scenarios of him trying to fuck his other team members in the butt. Like yeah. it just, <laughs> it's like what, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I it's it's funny, but after a whole issue, you're like, all right, this is this this chick's getting a little old. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not really funny anymore. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you got anything else to add there? Or no, I thought I kind of. No, I mean, off. I think it's uh, like I said, I, I could probably judge it better when I actually go and watch the rest of the second season. Uh, I, I do think it is a very good adaptation, and I think it like I think they do do a good job of staying true to the feel of the book without having to feel like they have to stick to it exactly because it just, it wouldn't quite work as well to just directly translate that to the TV show. Yeah. Uh, with that, I think we're probably going to go draw this to the end. Uh, probably a good spot to do that. Um, so you want to go ahead and drop any plugs you got here, Mark? Oh man, I got plugs galore. Uh, but anyway, check out the second print comics podcast. If you're listening to us talk about comics for this long, surely you will enjoy myself and Remzo talking about comics for longer than this, even every single week on the second print comics podcast, um, wherever podcasts are found, Apple stitcher, blah, 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 Spotify. If you type it in, you're going to find it somewhere. And, uh, Let's see. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash second print pod. I should emphasize it is second, the letter, the letter, the, the word second spelled out is uh, if you try to type two and D, you're not, not going to find it. So uh, second print comics. Uh, you can also find us at second print pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, that's about it for that. And then, of course, if you want to hear me rant about politics as well, you can follow Lions Liberty, Lions Liberty podcast. We have three shows a week. I host the flagship show every single Monday. My good friend Brian McWilliams hosts Electric Liberty Land, his weekly look at comedy culture and liberty every single Wednesday. And uh, John Odermatt wraps things up on Fridays with this look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. So we got a great variety of awesome libertarian political content over there. And if you're just kind of sick of the politics, well, then when you're done, just head over to Second Print Comics and, and listen to us rant about that stuff there. So uh, there's plenty for the whole family. Yeah, for us, uh, we I, ju I just uh, at made an audio component for this show. So if you, we should be Excellent. on most things. I don't think we're we're on a couple one. Yeah, we're on the same thing that Mar Mark suggested me, Red Circle. But uh, it sends out to them, all the major podcast uh, podcatchers. Uh, I don't think I'm on Apple yet. I'm working on it. Um, I'm kind of a tech idiot. If you're on Red Circle. You should get. They'll get you to Apple eventually. It might take a few days. Yeah. No, I still got to set it up. I got to. I don't have an Apple ID, so I got to figure that out. And I'm kind of a tech idiot. So. Oh yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i got pretty much on most everything uh except for apple uh so for the audio uh aspect of it um yeah we're also on MeWe. uh we're on uh for, oh one thing i want to add too real quick while i'm still thinking of it um we got um we added a new show to the the liberty movement because a lot of people if you've been following you know that this isn't supposed to just be the no way jose channel we're trying to have like uh, multiple shows kind of like what lines of liberty do and um, we're, we have uh, we added to our, the best form of flattery, so I'm yeah, all for it. Exactly. That's kind of what we, you know, we stand on the stand on the backs of giants or whatever the hell the, the saying is or shoulders of giants. You know, <laughs> so, um, we uh, we took uh, we added uh, actual not actual anarchy. Actual anarchy is one of the shows. It's um, the last nighters. And uh, that's the uh, where we're trying to be, you know, cultural and like non-political to some extent, kind of vaguely, you know, liberty minded. 
Uh, they do a, uh, um, a movie review thing, and that their uh, the Last Nighters is their cleaned up version where they do a little bit less politics, and they have their also their actual Anarchy show, which is the same exact thing but with a- additional like going more into the political stuff. So if you're interested in that, we just dropped their uh, show recently, which was with the Urban. Well, actually, he's not the Urban Agress anymore. He's changing it. James Gentleman. He's still indetermined of what his new uh, new brand is going to be. So we'll we'll see on that. But he was he should, he did an episode with them where they talked about the movie High Rise. So check that out if you're interested. If you ever seen that movie, I think it was like in 2015 with Tom Hiddleston, you know Loki, you know to tie it back to comics. Uh, um, uh, yeah, so we're on MeWe, we're on Facebook, the the um, and a bunch of other stuff too. I'm gonna put it on the video description. We got so much shit now. I'm getting tired of dropping the plugs every time. So I'm just gonna say, you know, look at the video description. Life of a podcaster, get used to it, man. You gotta plug. You gotta always be plugging. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna plug, but I'm gonna start. Let me start selectively plugging because I just, I just start feel like I'm droning on. Hey, if you don't plug yourself, who's going to? You know. Yeah. So yeah, check the video description. Uh, we're pretty much damn near everywhere. MeWe, Facebook, uh, BitChute, Library, YouTube. Uh, now we're on the. I'm on the audio stuff. Uh, yeah, so I'll be on that. We'll also have uh, all a bunch of Mark's um, um, plugs in the video description as well. So yeah, with that, it's been great having you on, Mark. Uh, it's, like I said, it's been a long time coming. You know, let that be a be a moral to anybody out there who wants to do a podcast. Go do it. You know, because it's I I don't think I've been told no by anyone yet. So yeah, just do it. That's that's uh, that's my key advice. I could uh I could literally give like you know hours and hours, and I do. I do some podcast consulting on the side as well. Uh, if anybody wants to hit me up for that, mark.claregmail.com. But uh, you know, at the end of the day. I, I can you can teach someone everything the ropes about podcasting and, and give a million courses and sh- but at the end of the day the real way to do it is to just do it because you're going to learn more by doing it and going through it and taking your lumps than you are by by just hearing it yeah so and, and yeah I, ha- I have a full-time job i have another side job as well and this just is like i do like two two streams a week it's not that big of a deal you know if it's something you want to do it's not really that labor intensive just do it you know so yeah. With that, I'll, I'll go ahead and stop rambling. Uh, like I said, it was great to have you on. It's awesome to finally get around to doing this. I've been looking forward to it. So yeah, deuces. <laughs> thanks, Jose. It's been a blast. All right. See, see you. you.